Father, thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus. Uh, thank you that we can gather together and um, have church together. Uh, it, it is a great privilege to be, um, to be together today. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for that. We pray that you would be guiding us in our thoughts and in our hearts and that we'd respond to you um, with trust and, and obedience and thankfulness too. So Lord, thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every now and again, um, uh, the US talk show host Jimmy Kimmel, I don't know if you've heard of him, he, uh, he gets celebrities to come on his late night, late night chat show and read out what he calls their mean tweets. Mean tweets. Tweets that have been, um, uh, so those social, me social media messages that have been received by them and, uh, and, and well, really are criticising that celebrity. So they're really, I guess you could call them the message of haters, using that sort of terminology these days. These are the message of haters, and these mean tweets are going to be read out by the people who have, have received them. They're usually a bit of fun, to be honest. Um, these are the light-hearted ones, and, and they're pretty funny. So I thought I'd share with you today the, the mean tweets, number one, that Barack Obama received. This is before the uh, recent election with um, Trump and Clinton. Anyway, let's watch this little video. I'll show it to me. Barack Obama is the nickelback of presidents. Obama couldn't negotiate getting a Whopper without pickles at Woodstock Dave. Thanks, Dave. I bet Obama likes mustard on his hot dogs because he's gross at Duck Punks. Just found out my daughter shares a birthday with Obama. Puke in caps at Mom of Four Munchkins. Barack Obama dances like how his jeans look. You know, this jeans thing, this is so old. This was years ago, come on. My mom bought new conditioner and it sucks. It isn't even conditioning my hair. I blame Obama. Barack Obama. Bro, do you even lift? Well, I lifted the ban on Cuban cigars. That's worth something. Barack Obama is the <laughs> Barack Obama is the Sharknado of presidents. Loud, stupid, and overhyped. Hashtag Sharknado 4. <laughs> president Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States! Exclamation point. At real Donald Trump. <laughs> well, at real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. So recorded a 30 before rank of the light last election is twenty-three dollars now at Sunstop. <laughs> That's all right. Doesn't matter. It's one last little one. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That's recorded before the last election. There you go. Obama, full of um, full of confidence, but he was wrong. How about that? Yeah, look, they're fascinating. I thought with today's topic, and you can see on your outline there, it, it's a pretty, um, a pretty serious sort of topic, I guess. I thought it might be helpful to start off with something light in terms of, in terms of the haters speaking out. I only wish that this defence of Jesus being a hater was not necessary. 
And that, that, uh, but that's the world we live in today. Jesus and his followers are sometimes labelled haters. Uh, whether we receive mean tweets or not is another matter, uh, but that's the reality of it. Last year, a church in Melbourne um, turned up on a Sunday morning to find that their building had been vandalised with the phrase, bash the bigots, crucify uh, no voters. Now, I'm not sure they understood the irony of their words and what was going on with the graffiti, but the underlying message is that Jesus and those who follow him are haters, intolerant of people who hold differing views. A a bigot is the word. Um, Even cruel, as uh, David Marr said, and he's a Sydney Morning Herald journalist, he once said of Christians who any, or anyone who opposed same-sex marriage, he called them cruel. Now, if you're a Christian person here this morning, those, those words are hard to hear. If you're a follower of Jesus, they're, they're hard to hear. They, they grate a little because that's not what we, who we want to be. I remember in, um, it was about August, I think it was, 2016, this incident happened. Uh, Anglican minister Ian Powell confronted Bill Shorten in a car park um, following a commencement type service in Canberra with politicians. And Ian Powell complained to the opposition leader about his language in Parliament as he referred to people who opposed same sex marriage as bigots and homophobes and people who lived under rocks. Uh, Ian Powell complained rightly and said that's, that's unfair. Now, the incident was, um, was fairly awkward. They were both trying really, really hard to be polite. And you can go and watch it on YouTube if you like. Uh, and I did feel a little bit sorry for Bill Shorten because he was, as he was getting in the car, all of a sudden, uh, an Anglican minister with the collar and everything springs up out of nowhere and asks him this question. So I felt a bit sorry for Bill Shorten. But um, in, any, in any case, the point is, you see, no, no, no confessing Christian wants to be labelled as someone who doesn't love. It's hard. We don't want that. We don't want that. And it's not just sexuality that causes some people to conclude that Jesus is a hater or followers of Jesus are haters and bigots and judgmental and that sort of thing. Uh, for example, the ostracism that can come with marriage breakdown can cause this. Uh, religious belief even can make people believe and cause people to believe that Jesus is a hater. Uh, the influence of family and upbringing and, and even, um, even a, a person's church experience can cause people to conclude that Jesus is a hater and that all Christians are like him and are, and are haters, judgmental, exclusive, intolerant. Now, it's a bit of a complicated issue, isn't it? Um, and we probably won't solve all the issues today, uh, but we'll have a good crack at it. But on the most part, I think that in any defence of this Jesus is statement, it boils down to a question of morality. Can you profoundly disagree with someone and love them at the same time? Can you care for someone and disagree with their lifestyle? Or are all Christians just haters? Is Jesus a hater? Now, some people will say no to these questions. You can't profoundly disagree and love someone at the same time. Now, they probably won't say it out loud. They might. But in their heart, that's what they think. And of course, then I guess logically, then by definition, such people have rightly been called uh, bigots and intolerant. Um, We did see a fair bit of that in the same-sex marriage debate. But followers of Jesus must say yes. 
we ought to learn from the moral genius of Jesus. He had the ability to hate the sin and love the sinner. And that's not a perfect phrase. It's a bit of a cliche these days. Uh, but too many Christians seem to have forgotten it or perhaps just forgotten how to do it. Many, and now I mean secular society as well, have a great, great difficulty seeing how you can dispute someone's moral stance or behaviour and love them simultaneously. Friends, I think Jesus shows us how to do just that. John Dixon, um, he, he, he's an Australian writer, author, pastor in, up in Sydney. He wrote this, it's a great quote, there is a, fa there is a failure of ethical imagination here. He means in our society today, an inability to utilise two mental muscles at the same time. I love it. The muscle of strong conviction and the muscle of compassion for all. Jesus was a master of this ethical exploit. Isn't that good? I think it's really good. Uh, now, let's see how Jesus does that. We're going to look in the Gospels, um, just a couple of Gospels for the time being. But if we look at Luke's Gospel for a moment, if we opened up to chapter 13, don't do it now, but you hear Jesus condemning certain behaviour and warning of coming judgment. He's very, very clear. If we flick through to chapter 15, and we find Jesus whining and dining with sinners, don't we? Uh, those most people would have thought to be first in line for judgment. And, and, and Jesus then illustrates the point with a parable about a father's love for his prodigal son. Remember that from uh, a couple of weeks back. Then if we go to John's Gospel, where Jesus broke with cultural expectations of the day to speak with a Samaritan woman. You might remember this story if you've read your Bible a little bit. Uh, at the time, Samaritans were the social outcasts of, of, and often they were discriminated against. They were persecuted against. They were the butt of jokes. And Jesus' conversation was all the more outrageous because she was a woman. But wait, there's more. Um, a woman sleeping with a man whom she was not married. Controversial, a social outcast. A social outcast sexually as well as culturally and, and even theologically. Now to us, the fact that she was sleeping with a man who, who she was not married, well, these days it's, it doesn't sound as, as outrageous as it was back then. But at that time, this woman would have won the prize for the most socially evil. But that didn't stop Jesus, did it? It didn't stop Jesus. John tells us how Jesus understood her heart and her past. And yet he struck up a conversation with her. He showed her kindness. He didn't shame her or discriminate against her. And even offered this astonishing word. John 4 verse 14, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, Jesus, Jesus doesn't judge her or condemn her. He forgives her and then offers her new life. Jesus did not agree with her lifestyle, but loved her as he dismantled cult cultural barriers to express kindness to her. You see how Jesus perfectly utilises the two mental muscles 
of uh, strong conviction and compassion at the same time. You see that? In fact, as we keep reading the Gospels and get to the end of the Gospels, this point that Jesus hates the sin but loves the sinner well, is made, in dis- I guess you could say, in disturbing clarity. So seriously did Jesus take sin, so seriously did, Je- did God's Son love sinners, that Jesus died for sinners. He died for you and I. Um, so seriously did God's Son love sinners that he died for us. The verse that Michelle quoted before and we read um, uh, from Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love for, it, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the account of the Samaritan woman and Jesus and the ones in Luke and many, many more preempt that supreme act of love that Jesus would express on the cross. They all point to that. That's how seriously Jesus loves sinners. He died for them on that cross. That's how seriously God loves sinners, that he gave up his one and only son, John 3.16 says. On the cross, Jesus responded to hate, not with hate, but by laying down his life for the good of those who ridiculed him, who discriminated against him, who beat him, who mock him. Uh, He laid down his life for them. Jesus is no hater. See, friends, here's the message of the cross. God reconciling to himself those who disagree with him. It's true, isn't it? And he with them. You see that? The cross demonstrates disagreement and love, grace and truth. So, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, how do, you, how do we respond? How ought we respond to what Jesus is saying to us today? Can you profoundly disagree with someone and love them at the same time? About a year ago, uh, two politicians, uh, one Tim Wilson, who's, who is an openly uh, gay man, uh, uh, he calls himself an agnostic, and Andrew Hastie, who is a um, uh, uh, Western Australian politician, and I taught him PE, just a little, little side note there when I was a, when I was a PE teacher. Anyway, <laughs> these, two, um, <laughs> uh, the, these two got together in a video put together by the, by the Bible Society and um, opposite sides of the same-sex marriage debate and they got together over a beer, uh, a Cooper's Light beer, as it turns out, to debate same-sex marriage. Now, there's lots to this story. We don't have time to go through it all. You can... Read up if you like. But the idea was it was a light-hearted and in good spirits debate between two sides of this same-sex marriage debate. And the catchphrase for the conversation or the video was keeping it light. Um, I think it was done pretty well. And the two politicians certainly did it very well and they kept it light and it was, it was intense at times but, but very helpful. And, uh, but the backlash following the airing of the video was, well, it was pretty strong. It seems for many people you cannot profoundly disagree with someone and have a beer with them. Uh, it was very sad, actually, the backlash that came with it. Now, Bible Society made a few mistakes uh, with the beer company and so on, um, but we won't go into all that. But I tell you what, Jesus does say 
that you can, and he shows that you can profoundly disagree with someone in their lifestyle and have a beer with them or love them. Jesus was able to challenge how people lived, uh, profoundly disagreeing with them, and be deeply compassionate towards the same people at the same time. Now, the great sadness is that sometimes many in the church have not been able to do this. Uh, although, yes, we're not the only ones guilty here in the secular society, uh, like narrow-minded religion, sometimes um, they share the logic of, well, we're only able to love those whose love we endorse. So in, in I don't want to call it religious land, um, uh, that works itself out by simply reducing the number of people it loves to match the lifestyle to which it approves. You see that? That's narrow-minded religion. But the secular version goes like this. They simply increase the number of lifestyles it endorses and disparages those who don't follow suit. Now, some people, we can read up about it if you like, call this the new tolerance. Whether it's religious or secular, we're only able to love those whose lives we agree with. But friends, um, what we see in Jesus is a, a, a third way. It's a different logic. We, are, we, are able, we ought to be able to love even those with whom we profoundly disagree. That's the challenge as followers of Jesus. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to love like Jesus. In Luke 10, uh, Jesus is speaking to a, a bunch of people, uh, some disciples and, and uh, teachers of the law. And at one point, this expert in the Old Testament law, he jumps up and interrupts Jesus. And uh, he wants to test him. He wants to trick him. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? Jesus replied back to this expert in the Old Testament law. And the guy, and Jesus, well, how do, you, how do you read it? Well, he answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. Well, you've answered correctly, Jesus said. Got it right. Do this and you'll live. But the old, the, the old Testament legal expert, he wanted to justify himself a little bit. And he said, okay, well, who's, who's my neighbour then? In other words, he was saying, who do I have to love? Which people do I... Who's on my list of who I have to love? Well, then Jesus, as they're all sitting down... This Old Testament legal expert standing up, probably still trying to test Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story, a little parable. So there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him and they beat him and they left him lying there on the road for dead. <coughs> well, first to come along the road was, was a Levite. He saw him and then he walked to the other side of the road and he kept on walking. And then a priest came by. The priest saw him as well. He didn't like the look of him and so he walked the other side of the road and he, and he kept on going by. But then a Samaritan came. Now a Samaritan were there culturally, theologically, even morally, enemies of the Jews. A Samaritan came, Jesus said. 
And as he travelled by, he came to where the man was. He looked at him and he took pity on him. He bundled him up. He bandaged his wounds. He looked after him, put some oil and wine, gave him some wine. And he even put him on his own donkey. And he carried him to a local inn and he took care of him. The next day, this, this Samaritan took out two denarii, a fair bit of money, and he said to the innkeeper, look after him until I return. And if there's any other expenses, well, then I'll, I'll pay for those other expenses. Well, Jesus asked the expert in the law, after listening to this little story Jesus told, he asked the expert in the law, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, the expert in the law said, oh, it was, it was the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That's what he told him. That is, Jesus said, love like the Samaritan. Who the, those who he disagreed with. That's what he said. See, friends, that's the call for followers of Jesus. That's what Jesus says. If you're a follower of Jesus... That's the call that we are to hear today. Now, one might call it a radical discipleship. It is quite radical. Due to the fact that we follow Jesus who radically loves, so much so that he laid down his life for those who disagreed with him. How about I pray? And then if we've got a, a comment or a question, we'll see how that takes us. I'm going to pray using the words from James chapter 1. Father, thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he died for us as those who, uh, Lord, disagree with you. Uh, we, we've, we've sinned against you. And Lord, thank you for the love that Jesus shows. Thank you for his compassion and his care. Thank you for the story Jesus told in, in, the, the, um, in, the, in the Samaritan who, who loved, um, loved his enemy. Lord, we pray that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Lord, we pray that you'd help us with that. And Lord, for those today who question Jesus and still wonder whether Jesus is for them or against them, we pray today will be a moment where we actually remember that Jesus is indeed for us and died for us and loves us. Lord, thank you for uh, the love that, that you've shown to us through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.